Hi guys, it's Ange. So today we're gonna do part two of Madness in Spanish Royalty. Yesterday we ended with Juana's husband going on a journey to Brussels that took around a year. Isabel was gambling on Philip's love and concern for his wife, but she miscalculated and Philip was perfectly prepared to leave Juana behind in Spain and go home alone. Juana became hysterical when she learned of her husband's intentions, but no dramatics and tears and wailing and begging, in fact nothing, could make Philip set aside his plans. Philip left Spain on December 19th, in 1503 and it took him more than a year to travel his way through France, Switzerland, Bavaria, and Savoy and he finally reached his home. Juan de Fonseca came to the royal castle of La Moda when Juana was staying and he tried to calm her down but she threatened him with death or torture for foiling her attempts to leave Spain and return to Philip. Fonseca retreated, horrified, but Juana came after him and he only just escaped before the castle gate closed behind him. Juana flung herself against the iron bars, yelling and screaming until exhaustion overtook her and she slid to the ground. There she remained all the freezing night long apparently comatose. Eventually, Ferdinand and Isabella realized that Juana's sexual frenzy could be quenched only when she lay with Philip once again, and they decided to let her go. Juana returned to Philip in April 1504, but their reunion did nothing to restore her senses. Philip had seen to that. He had taken a new mistress, and Juana went wild, searched out a pair of scissors, and seizing the woman by the hair, proceeded to scalp her. The mistress fled, bleeding and almost bald. Philip arrived after exchanging insults with Juana. He hit her about the face. Even Juana was pulled up short by that. She subsided, retiring to bed for several days, but she did not remain quiescent for long. Juana's retinue included a number of Moorish slaves who had accompanied her when she first went to Flanders in 1496. These slaves seemed like devils with their dark, fierce faces, scored by ritual marks, and their skill with love potions and seductive perfumes. Philip decided to get rid of them. Juana refused to let them leave, but Philip threw them out anyway. A savage argument ensued with Juana's full battery of insults and curses deployed. Philip was no slouch for the swear words, fought back in kind. In protest, Juana went on a hunger strike. He let her starve and ignored her pleas when she began hammering on the floor of her bedroom, which was situated above his. 
After a while, Juana graduated to pounding the floor with a rock, then set about it with a knife. The assault lasted all night and next morning when Philip finally came up to confront her. He found her exhausted, but still defiant. This war, and Juana's mother knew all about it, as herself worn out, she lay near death at the castle of La Moda. Queen Isabella died in late 1504, leaving behind a potentially disastrous situation. Juana was now Queen of Castile, but by her mother's express wish, Ferdinand was to be her regent. He would remain so if Juana returned out to be unable or unwilling to rule. Ferdinand did better than that. He made sure that his daughter would indeed prove unable because of her mental and emotional instability. That, of course, did away with Philip's chance to be king of Spain. Philip, for his part, also wanted Juana out of the way so that he could claim the throne for himself. Juana's father and husband were, in effect, conspiring against her, each for his own nefarious reasons, and it was just a matter of time before one or the other of them triumphed in the race to disinherit her. Philip struck first by forcing Juana possibly by physical violence, to write a letter informing her father that she was coming to Spain with Philip to assume power in Castile. That done, Philip imprisoned her within the royal palace in Brussels and kept from her anyone who could report her plight to Ferdinand. Twelve soldiers guarded Juana's apartment day and night, and even her chaplain was not allowed to speak with her, except to say mass. Having neutralized Juana, Philip looked around for allies opposed to Ferdinand. He concluded treaties with the French king Louis XII and his own father, Maximilian of Austria. In which all three signatories vowed to prevent Ferdinand ruling in Castile. Ferdinand was outmaneuvered, but there was one recourse left, remarriage, which might provide new sons to challenge. Philip, in a move that also undercut Philip's new alliance, Ferdinand went to France, his old enemy, for his second bride, and in October 1505, his proxy wedding to Germain, the French king's niece, was solemnized. Now it was Philip's turn to be outmaneuvered, and this time to his dismay. Juana refused to play his game. She declined publicly to condemn her father's second marriage, as Philip demanded. Slowly, as Philip and Ferdinand parried for control, the situation was moving towards civil war. It appeared imminent when Philip tired of long-distance sparring. Early 
In 1506, he embarked an army, with Juana, also on board, set sail for Spain. In response, Ferdinand called out the Aragonese militia and the artillery batteries of Medina del Campo to await what most presumed would be a Flemish invasion. When Philip's fleet docked at Coruna in the northwestern corner of Spain, Ferdinand realized that his forces were greatly outnumbered and outgunned. He resorted to what he knew best, guile. Before long, news reached Philip that the troop movements were underway in the Andalusia to the south of Leon to the northwest and that Ferdinand's army was slowly approaching his own. Any day now, Philip would be encircled. By the 19th of June, 1506, Ferdinand's troops were only 10 kilometers away. The trap seemed about to close around Philip, but there was no fighting. Philip lost his nerves and agreed to negotiate with his father-in-law. The result of their meeting was a pair of treaties, the first containing an argument that Ferdinand would withdraw his troops from Castile. The second was a secret arrangement whereby Juana would never be permitted to rule. The ink on his signatures was barely dry before Ferdinand reneged and declared that he had agreed to the treaties under duress and that Juana was the rightful monarch of Castile, after all. Meanwhile, Philip thought he had won, unaware of the old fox's reputation for cunning. Philip proceeded with his plans to park Juana out of the way, but Juana was no longer easy prey. She had come to suspect that anything Philip said or did was in her worst interests, and, besides, she very much wanted to be reconciled with her father, whom she adored. To accomplish this, she needed to escape. Her first two attempts failed, but her third bid to foil Philip, using a different tactic, was more successful. When Philip demanded that the Cortes agree to putting his wife away as a mental incompetent, her cousin, Vaderique Enrique, Admiral of Castile, went to assess the state of her mind for himself. The cousins spent ten hours together. Juana was calm, perfectly in control of herself, and the Admiral found her conversations both intelligent and astute. No way, he told Philip later, would he connive any scheme to have Juana pronounced unfit. The Admiral defended her so forcefully that the Cortes threw out Philip's proposal. Frustrated and furious, he moved his army on to Burgos in northern Spain. It was here that fate intervened and provided the perfect, if tra tragic, solution to the problem of Philip the Handsome, scourge of the royal house of Spain. Okay guys, so we're going to end there with Philip being realized for who he is and Juana finally having a little bit of help. All right, I will see you all again soon and as always, I hope you learned a lot.